Welcome to this episode of It's Worth a Thought, and thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Uh, we're excited to bring it to you. I'm Levi, and I'm joined again with Mike, and uh, we're excited about this episode this week. We were joined by Dr. Erica Van Dahlen, and she's a ER doctor here in our city of St. Thomas, and uh, she came on the podcast this week to talk to us about dealing with crisis and stress. The conversation this week was very insightful and helpful to me because Dr. Erica kind of gave us a behind-the-scenes look at the ER. And uh, we only see the ER doctor maybe for a few minutes when we go in there and we're in a crisis situation. But she kind of gave us the idea of uh, the team aspect of how they handle crisis and stress and how that's changed, especially during this time of a pandemic and how the uh, extra stress has been handled there at the ER. So we, we found it interesting. Uh, and helpful as she talked to us how that they've been coping with the extra stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has some great insights um, about women in the workplace, especially in the health field, and talked a little bit about her perspective and how she um, treats a situation and, and how she handles that and, and how that uh, changes things. And also, I thought it was great how she kind of gave a full perspective of health. Uh, we've obviously been talking a lot in our world about physical health and protecting ourselves from viruses, but she talked about uh, some things to do, preventive health, preventative health, but also talked about our emotional health and our spiritual health, and she talked about finding joy, and I thought that was such a great point, and she talked about, yes, it's good to exercise, yes, it's good to diet, but you got to find a way in the in a world like we're living in today, you have to have an outlet for joy, and so I think this will be a helpful conversation to you if you're uh, struggling with stress or perhaps even a family crisis or even just um, fatigue with the pandemic that's been going on. So as always, on it's worth a thought. It's our desire to give you a biblical perspective of everyday situations. We hope that this conversation with Dr. Erica will be a help to you on it's worth a thought. Crisis is simply defined as a time of difficulty, trouble, or danger, and that's played out hourly, uh, not too far from here at the St. Thomas Elgin General Hospital in the emergency room. And so uh, these are very high stressful times, uh, times of crisis that people go there. And so we're thrilled to have with us tonight as part of our conversation on crisis and stress and a biblical perspective on that, we have one of our emergency room doctors here, uh, Dr. Erica. So we'd like to welcome her here to our podcast and thank you for joining us. And, And Dr. Erica, would you start out by just introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, no, thank you. It's kind of a neat opportunity. Um, yeah, so I work just down the road. Um, I've been there for 10 years now. I started right out of, right out of my residency in St. Thomas. Um, certainly wasn't something I was thinking about. We were thinking more northern medicine when I graduated, and uh, they called me out there, and it was a neat community and a neat opportunity. Um, so yeah, I've done that for 10 years, but first and foremost, I'm a mom to two kids. I've been married for 18 years to my, my husband. Um, I'm a sister, I have uh, five siblings, and um, a physician, and then I'm a teacher, which I quite enjoy as part of my day-to-day life. I um, have residents and medical students and nurse practitioners work alongside me, um, and I like to consider myself a teacher to the patients I work for. We've had some conversations about that and teaching your patients, but... um Obviously, there's all kinds of stresses with everything else that you have said that you're involved in, being a mom, right? Being a parent, there's some stressful things that go on, but stress is a part of everyday life, but oftentimes we don't know what an ER doctor does, so give us a little bit of a breakdown as to what you do every day, what it looks like, and so we can see a picture of that. Yeah, so not like TV. Uh, lots of people, I've had patients ask me, are you like Grey's Anatomy? No, no, it's not. Um, for many reasons, um, most of which I can't say on TV. But uh, no, I mean, 
every workplace has a rhythm, um, and you, you walk in, you have your coffee, and you get on with your day. And my day is no different, um, but the rhythm is, is a bit of chaos um, in a sense that I expect when I put my coffee down, I don't expect to drink it for two hours um, because I'm going to be tapped on the shoulder by a nurse to read an ECG. I'm going to be called to the front to see a very sick patient. The patch phone's going to go off, and I know that a sick child's coming in. Um, so that's where my stress lies, is not so much seeing individual patients in their stress, and that is very stressful, um, but the stress is trying to build a team environment in the midst of chaos, and then still serving the, the patients that I'm supposed to be serving. I find it exciting, and I still find it exciting after 10 years when a sick patient comes through the door, as morbid as that sounds. It's what I do, and I really enjoy it. Um, and when that patch phone goes off, all the docs kind of sit up nice and straight, what's coming in, and off we go. So I've learned to uh, adapt to the stress. Most people would find it stressful if I pulled a non-physician in and said, follow me for the day. I don't know that they would be able to understand why I get the excitement I do. They would probably dissolve into a little bit of stress. Um, but most of us live for it in there. Yeah. Let me ask two questions. What is when something you know, takes your attention away, what excites you the most and what stresses you out the most? Uh, what excites me the most? Um, what, excite me, what excites me the most is a true emergency medicine case. So I know there's mass casualties coming in. I know that I'm going to have to do procedures. I'm going to have to do something life-saving to use my skills and my training and what I love to do. What's the most stressful thing is when you take that situation and apply it to a very young child. I think most physicians, whether they're pediatric emergency physicians or what, with why, what I do in the community, um, most people will say as the patient gets younger, the stress level goes up because there's parents in the room. There's a lot weighing in on that, that outcome. Yeah, it's amazing to me to think that, uh, I mean, as you put your cup, I'm picturing you put a cup of coffee down and then, and then head right in and be excited. I mean, I understand the part of helping people. Like our job is, is you know, vastly different than your job uh, as pastors and preachers, but we, we get excited about helping people. Even in crisis situations, if there's a, you know, a need, we love to jump in and try to help out. So we understand that part of it. But I guess, uh, you know, taking the physical side and add to it is way out of our league. And so we admire that about uh, you and what you do for sure. Uh, does being a female physician in the emergency medicine uh, change your approach to work? I mean, how you handle patients, co-workers, and even administratively, does that change being a female in that uh, position? Yeah, it does. Um, I'll probably maybe break it down a little bit. Um, right from in medicine, there's always been a bit of 70-30 split in most of the specialties we work in, um, critical care being probably the, the bigger of the divide. Um, I didn't really look at that when I went into med school. I wanted to be the most skilled person to see the biggest breadth of people. My, my life plan was, you know, as bizarre as it sounds, not to get married, not to have kids, but to travel the world and do medicine in the most far off places, helping the most, you know, the, the greatest of people in the poorest of positions. And I've been able to do that despite where life has taken me. Um, but it certainly does, um, there, there's a difference in practicing medicine as a female. Um, you know, when I go home, um, and th this is going to sound very biased, but when I go home, I can't just shut, I can't shut down. I still have to make dinner, do laundry, plan for the doctor's appointments for my own kids, get the vaccinations. Life still goes on a as long as everyone else has their job and they balance it with their home responsibilities. Um, but I think females feel a bit more of a brunt with that. So 
that that is tricky and and that's why a lot of female physicians don't tend to work full-time emergency medicine because it's a lot of evenings and weekends so we go down to part-time um, and uh, and it's why we make us less money because our approach to practice is much different this has been well studied over many years women tend to be a little more holistic when they approach the patient at the bedside asking everything from psychosocial factors to economics to you know how's it going at work um, tell me all those symptoms how does it affect you um, and that same rapport is not always built with a male physician and that, that's very you know uh, that's a big statement it's not a, doesn't apply to everyone for sure but the studies have kind of played out that way um, and so that in itself leads to me seeing less patients and less income and that's been that's well documented across Canada um, is it good or bad I'm not sure I think the goodness comes um, that women tend to teach more preventive medicine um, which is overall better for the population uh, they tend to recognize when a mom's in distress and has a very complex life at home, that this is playing into the presentation that we're seeing today. And until we deal with those issues, the one at hand is not going to get remedied. Um, in a 10 to 15 minute visit, that's hard to tease out. Um, and so, yeah, life is practiced differently as a female. And that's okay. I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. It's for sure the beauty of it. And then I recently took on an administrative role, um, which is extremely time consuming. Um, has added another complexity to how I balance life. Um, but certainly, uh, I, I took the role over from a, a, a male. Um, and even the people I work with now notice there's just a difference in how you manage things, how you approach um, certain issues, what you're able to, you know, do a 360 look and say, well, it's going to affect these people, not just me. Um, and th that's been appreciated so far. So it's just different. It is different. And uh, that's something I, I appreciate. In fact, um, I've known Erica for a little bit, and Pastor Holland's known her for quite a while as well. And I personally am impressed with how much she does. You may you may not think that, but I'm just like, whoa, that, there's a lot there. And uh, so that's why when we began to think about these questions in this process, um, she was one of the first people that I thought of because there she does have so much going on, and um, she to me, from the outside, it seems like she handles it very well. And in discussing some of these things, she said, you can ask my husband, he might give you a different answer. Um, but uh, how do you, and what weight of responsibility do you feel um, in the lives of people you are working with, not only patients, but coworkers as well, especially when those stresses come? How, how does that weight weigh on you? Yeah, um, again, I try and explain it to people, my, my job is no different than you attending your job. It really isn't. It's like what you said, you deal, you want to help people, you want to dive in. You have a different skill set than I do. Um, so the 110% the you put on at work here is no different than the 110%. We just use our hands differently. Um, and uh, um, so if, you know, breaking that down again, the responsibility I feel for me right now in the position that I've taken alongside being a clinician is... Um, in the time I'll take in the last couple months, COVID has really hurt our workplace um, for very many reasons. The stress is crazy. The information overload we're getting is crazy. So our team has fallen apart. Um, in not not catastrophically, but certainly there's frays. There's there's um, strings that have been pulled, and our role as a physician um, is to gather and to build a teamwork because emergency medicine doesn't work without a teamwork. Um, so I do feel that weight now, knowing that, you know, despite the stresses of, 
you know, the different things I have to do to maintain, you know, in the time of COVID, um, uh, that weighs on me. Um, being respectful to the nurses, being respectful to the allied health. So that, that probably is a greater stress on me when you're dealing with an, a stressful environment with a sick patient and then having to say, how do I bring that team around me to be functional? Because if they're functional, I'm functional and the outcome will be much better. Um, for my patients, um, yeah, so, so lots of people say, well, do you feel, you know, it must be intense to, to know that your decisions or your actions may re result in life and death of someone. And that is essentially true. Um, not every time. I mean, there's a lot of people who come into the emergency room that are not dying. But um, I can't go into work like that. I can't go into work with that kind of headiness because that would become overwhelming. Yeah. And in 10 years, being in this for 10 years, you know, we still walk in with a smile on our face um, with our cup of coffee and we say, hey, how's it going, right? Just like anyone else would when they join. My workplace is no different than your workplace. Um, we've learned to manage the stress. And, and, you know, there are times it's maladaptive. We will all admit to when we have very maladaptive behaviors. Um, and, uh, and that's the important part is realizing when those maladaptive behaviors start affecting patient care. And that's, a, again, a team recognition of that. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So how, how do you work on that teamwork then? Break, can you break that down for us a little bit? If there's teamwork going awry, how do you bring that back? Because obviously families are a team. And how do we, you know, when we're going through a stressful situation, a lot of time team members are against each other. And so how do you bring that back in? Yeah, I don't know that I've perfected that skill, <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, I do... Uh, it depends on the person, for sure. Um, I, for whatever reason, um, over 10 years, I've gotten to know a lot of the nurses quite personally, so it's easier for me to pull them aside and say, hey, what, hap what happened? Um, what, you know, why did that turn out the way that it did? Where did that behavior come from? Um, was it something that I said to you? And, and, and that br usually brings it out. Um, the best time to do it is during night shift when you're exhausted and you're at your, you know, your filter is gone and then you start to hear some of the things that are breaking down the team. Um, so I think it's just conversation and that can often be the most awkward, very difficult conversation. Um, and then, you know, hearing, I hear feedback from all the allied staff about different team members that they can't get along with. Uh, and that's tricky um, because I need to still work with these people hand in hand and, and trust their opinions and trust and they have to trust me. Um, but often, um, again, I don't know if it's successful, um, is giving them space um, and giving them the opportunity um, to come back and you know, apologize or explain their stance or understand where they were coming from when they had those choices presented and why it turned out that way. Um, and the same thing at home. I mean, um, you know, I don't try and speak much about my home, but Certainly, my husband has taken the brunt of a lot. Um, when we entered into this, entered, when we were married, um, you know, in one week, I defended my master's, got married, and got into medical, got my letter for medical school. My husband knew what he was in for, and we were, I was very articulate with him um, that, you know, this is what I wanted to do. There would probably be a heavy reliance on him to balance. Um, and certainly, you know, he stepped up to the task. That's not a, even in question. Um, but certainly that's not, that there's still rocky moments at home. Uh, and the, the trouble is, is when I get home and like everyone else, when they get home from a work environment, you're done talking. You're, you're done. You just want 
a moment to yourself. And that's, that's tricky. And that's where I think families um, run into the biggest problem, right? You are pulled in nine directions at work or for what you do or how you busy your day and you come home and that's the last thing you want to do is problem solve. Mm. Whereas really it should be the way around. You should problem solve at first, work at home, uh, problem solve at home first and then go to work. Um, because coming home to a difficult environment is just, it, it's not, not ideal. It doesn't make my, it, it makes it hard for me to attend a shift. If I've had something go wrong at home or if I have a daughter who's falling apart and just needs an extra 10 minutes that I don't have to give, that makes my shift, that changes the course of my day. Yeah, get a behind-the-scenes look at the emergency. I always see emergency room from my perspective, right? We, I walk in and I want, I want care now. I want help now, and uh, and to, to hear that and to see that this is a place of high crisis, high stress uh, on the best of days, and then to to add to that, you know, the whole COVID and the pandemic and all the information. We're all information overload, and to hear that from uh, one of our doctors, that's uh, that's uh, that's helpful to me. I, I appreciate that. So, how do you, in the course of a day, switch gears from maybe taking care of like regular medical everyday situations, and then all of a sudden into like a life threatening uh, sit- emergency situation? How do you do? You, does that shift happen real quick? Yep. <laughs> it yeah, has to, very I guess. quickly. Very quickly. Is that a natural thing for you? Is that part of your personality? something that you learned over time I think yeah Johnny probably knows that I I don't sit still for very long um and that's just who I've been since I'm a child um and uh but you know uh, yeah I I love I love the busyness I love the complexity um again when that patch phone is when the EMS calls and says they're bringing in a patient they give us a brief overrun of what's coming in so we can prepare accordingly um and to me that's that's extremely invigorating I'm up I've got the team mobilized we know what we're doing. We know what happens when they roll in the door. Um, you know, we and uh, we all get excited by that because that's when you see the best teamwork. And everyone wants to see that teamwork be functional, and they want to be at the end and say, "High five! It, we did. We did good." Um, you know, the, if you were to get the inner workings of most eMERGE docs or most critical care doctors, um, you know, when I meet people in walking, or you know, when I meet people at board meetings or whatever else. I look at them and say, if I had to intubate you, what tube would I use? If I had to put a chest tube in, how would I approach this? I'm a little uncomfortable right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and especially when you're getting out of medical school, right? You learn to evaluate people when you're just talking with them. Being, if this went really sideways, how would I handle this? It's very good for me to do that because it takes the stress out of the situation when it does roll through my door. But it is a very morbid way of living. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting. She, she kind of brought this up. Um, the first time at the school... She, uh, she sends the kids to our school as well. And we, I had seen her and I saw, I said, you look very familiar to me. And, uh, she's like, oh, I'm an emergency room doctor. And I was like, that's it. I had dislocated my pinky and she was the, uh, doctor that pulled it out and set it back. And, uh, that was exciting. And, uh, so it was just interesting. And now she's looking at me thinking what kind of tube she's going to stick down my throat. Hey, we're looking at you saying if Dr. Eric was part of our church, what ministry would we give her? That's <laughs> yeah, so it's true. It goes both ways. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah. Awesome. What are some Bible principles that have shaped, obviously you're a Christian and what are some Bible principles that have shaped how you handle these emergencies that come into your life? I don't, yeah, this is this is interesting when when you kind of pose that question for me. Um, certainly, when you go in your in your public academic life, um, it's 
it is really hard to be in step with God sometimes um, because, especially in medical school, um, that's not something that's talked about. Uh, or not, it's not hidden, but it's certainly not part of the curriculum. It's certainly not something that you would converse with with a secular friend. Um, so it, it, it was hard. Um, and, you know, in the depth of your uh, extreme sleep deprivation and in the depth of, you know, being alone with a dying patient, you're like, what am I doing here? This is this is not what I had in mind. And I know four, six, eight years later. Um, so I think through that time, even as I was kind of finishing my first degree and kind of in the middle of my master's, um, the, the verse that always came out to me, and I actually was just in plain reading, was Jeremiah 29. Sorry, that always gets me because it's also my wedding verse. So, for I know I have plans for you. So to know that, you know, in my sleep deprivation, in how I treated that particular nurse or how I responded to my colleague, for I know I have plans for you, there is something greater than this, which is, which, which is huge for me. And so I carried that verse in my back pocket for many, many years. And it was just something like that I could, you know, tangibly know. Um, and then, you know, as, as things get settled, you get into your routine, you get in, in family. Um, there's certainly been some hardships in, in emergency medicine when, um, you know, I've, uh, you get feedback from a patient that's very negative that, you know, they didn't appreciate your care or some other feedback, however it came about. And that to me is, uh, is hugely corrective in how I think and how I act. And it's, it's healthy to get feedback like that but certainly very hard on your character. Um, and uh, yeah, then verses like Romans 3, we all fall short mm-hmm. in knowing that um, we all, um, we are created in God, God's image and we, we work towards that every day, but we all fall short in recognizing that and, and learning to improve on that every day. So whether that advice comes from a patient who's angry, whether it comes from a family who's sad, um, it, it's, it's just... It's bringing you towards we're all created in the image of God. And then um, probably the last thing that, I, you know, um, is, is forgiveness. Um, that, that's probably the hardest thing for me because, as I explained, there's been stresses all the way through. And you manage, as you get older, we all manage stress a lot differently. Um, you get wisdom. You get a little bit of feedback on that's not a very, you know, protective way of of, of, of of uh, carrying yourself, and so learning to forgive, um, whether it's verbal forgiveness or whether it's just recognizing that person from where they're coming from and understanding that you're not going to meet in the middle and forgiving them to say, that's okay, mm-hmm. and we can still move on and be coworkers, we can still move on and be friends. Um, that's been hugely informative for me probably over the last two or three years. Your, the, your faith, obviously, you don't separate your faith from your job. I mean, your faith is with you all the time. Uh, how often or how does that look throughout the day? Do you have to go back to your faith throughout the day? Uh, you know, short times of prayer, Bible verses that come through. And obviously, you see other physicians who are not people of faith that uh, are still uh, awesome practicing physicians and do a wonderful job and want to help people as well. So maybe is there a difference between how you view things and how maybe they would view from a non-faith perspective and you from a faith perspective? Right. Um, at, 
I think this is a pretty well-known song, but um, there's an old song, and it used to be in a blue hymnal when I was a kid, and it went like, uh, they'll know you're Christians by your love. Um, and it's a super old song. I don't even, I don't know if I can carry the hymn anymore, but regardless, um, that's probably the number one feedback I get, and I do try and practice, is I don't, well, won't verbally say, you know, if someone asks me what my faith is, I'm happy to share that, but it's certainly not something I can bring into the conversation out of respect for them and, and uh, somewhat, uh, yeah, just out of respect for them from where they're coming from. Um, but, um, and that has been fed back to me by, di- by different staff and coworkers. They know there's a faith element there. They know, you know, there's, um, there's a different way in which I care for people. Um, because I'm doing it for a different reason. And that's not to say I don't make mistakes. I can swear like the best of them. I can, you know, I, I can be in situations where I am not behaving like I should. Um, but certainly, um, the nickname I got when I first got there was someone called, I'm Erica, they called me Karika, because that's what they saw. Um, which, which made me feel quite good, because they knew I was practicing in a way that was reflective of uh, what I wanted. I guess, you know, Karika's better than Swerika. That yep. would that'd be, that'd be worse. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> but there are days. <laughs> oh, man. So you've given us some principles, and I think a lot of times um, in, in a crisis situation or stress-filled situation, uh, we do a lot of things that maybe we regret. And uh, to forgive and to think, you know what, yeah, I have made a mistake but I am created in the image of God and there is a God that loves me and all of those things and kind of talking yourself, telling yourself the truth are helpful, but are there any other ways that a person can use those principles to deal with stress, deal with circumstances in their lives? So again, with time and I'll call it wisdom, um, is I've just learned to take a step back Um, because of the nature of who I am and recognizing that I want to dive in, I want to deal with the crisis head on, um, I can fix it probably better than you, and that's kind of how we get out of medical school is I know best, this is what I've been taught, and please fall in line, and that doesn't work. Um, and uh, it takes years to recognize that, not even on my own job, and just in what we do in normal personal relationships. So teaching residents is to take a step back. You are best serving the patient at the end of the bed, helping the team organize themselves. Um, and... Um, I think that can be, I mean, I have a 13 year old at home now and I'm trying to teach the same thing. Take a step back. Um, don't rush in. You don't have to solve it. You don't have to dramatize it. And I think we've really fallen into problems with that. We like to over dramatize things to elevate the situation so other people can get involved. Well, that's actually is detrimental to relationships and it's detrimental to what I do. Um, so teaching residents to stand at the end of the bed. I know you know what you're doing, and now you need to direct other people to do. Um, and, uh, and do it in a way that others will join you, not so much directive that you're being told or you're telling them, but in a way that they can join you in what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and so, that, you know, um, yeah, so it, how I deal with crisis, if the patient is at the end of the bed. Um, and... I'm trying to, to bring that same manner into my relationships, into everything I do. 
Yeah, that's so helpful. I mean, that's so helpful. I think in a crisis situation to just kind of step back, not dramatize it. Um, sometimes we uh, just uh, take a breath and look at the situation and, and, and then move forward with confidence to, to do that. I think that's very helpful. We can really see that in our world today. I mean, people jumping in head first and getting in your face and like, wow, things have really exploded because people didn't take that step back and calm themselves down and have a look at the situation and take the truth. And I think a lot of times we do go head in and we think, I think in her situation, she's had a, several years of, of education and all kinds of different schooling, whereas a lot of times we just have opinions and we just run in with what we think we know. And uh, so sometimes it's better just take a step back learn those things, and uh, maybe do a little bit of research, think about some things, and walk slowly into those. And I like how she said that from the end of the bed, and that's a really good potential to help through crisis. I do have a question here from Facebook, right? So it is a COVID question, right? So you can feel free to answer or not answer, right? Uh, COVID has been around for a long time. Uh, how does this year differ from any other? So that's the question as it's written on, yeah. uh, on Facebook. So you can... Yeah, you can, so I imagine it's probably a clinical sense. Okay. Um, so my day is different because of COVID for sure. Um, we mask as soon as we get out of our car and doesn't come off until we get out of our car at home. Um, we can no longer wear our clothes into work. We have to change into sterile outfits and work in them just fine. Um, it's, there's a lot of teamwork loss when you can't see facial expression. Um, when you can't, um, you can't see joy, you can't see sadness, you can't see frustration. Um, and, and that certainly changes your coworker's relationship, changes your relationship with the patient. It's very hard. There are times where I'll ask a patient to drop their mask because I don't, I can't understand them, not because I can't hear their words. I can't see their face. Um, and, uh, um, and, and with COVID there's, you know, I have to stand six feet away from the bed. That's a very awkward position for me because I like to be beside the bed. I like to be speaking to the patient. Uh, so that's certainly added to the stress. Coworkers, we can't even sit within six feet of each other to talk, eat, um, review cases. Um, and so it's really distanced the team. And we've had to change protocols, how patients are placed in rooms, how long it takes to clean a room after. So it's slowed everything down, but it's also um, made it more complex to actually do the same job. Um, and I think, and then when you tie into that, when we go home, everything is different again. For five weeks, I lived in a trailer. Um, and that certainly adds the complexity of, of what I do. Um, so there's, a, there's fatigue, there's knowledge fatigue, there's practice change fatigue, and that has weighed in on everybody. And I'm, I'm no different. Has there been anything personally in your life that you've put into place or tried to put into place to help with that? Especially, you know, like staying six feet away, like you still have to maintain morale. And like, has there been anything you've done? Um, no, uh, it, this is tricky, right? Yeah. You know, even having a knowledge translation to a group of 25 physicians is extremely difficult on Zoom or WebEx. <laughs> um, you know, you try and animate yourself. You try and, you know, guys, we're going to try this. Um, and that's hard. So I, I it, this is going to be a difficult year, getting change across and just trying to keep group morale up that, you know, they want to be there. They want to do what they do. Um, so... I haven't come across with a, you know, magic bullet. Um, I think it's just going to be a lot of personal conversations, what we call, we call hallway medicine, as far as two doctors speaking about a case, that's going to be, that's going to be our life is I'm going to chat with this. I'm going to chat with you a bit, and then we're going to veer off into your personal life. And then we're going to veer off into this because I think that's healthy. Um, 
a lot of a lot of physicians I work with are double physicians families, and that's that is tricky. That is they are hit from all corners. Um, you know, who takes care of their kid? Their daycare situation has changed. They don't have a daycare anymore, so now they're balancing everything and trying to balance work. Um, so there's some complexities there. And again, I don't want to discount any of those others' jobs. Everyone else deals with the same thing. Your jobs have all changed significantly as a result of trying to keep ourselves safe. I was hoping for some information because we've struggled with church, you know, trying to maintain a community. And uh, we've done some crazy things to try <laughs> to maintain that and relationships. And like you said, it, it actually has really come down to one-on-one -on -one personal relationships. Which, you know what, it's, uh, it sounds, sounds awkward and, and uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to say it properly is um, this kind of to me is a bit of a wake-up call. Um, I would never want a pandemic to be a wake-up call. That's not what I'm trying to say, is our relationships with our coworkers, our families, our friends have deteriorated because of social media or because of just the distance we've put in there. Um, and COVID has exacerbated that. Um, and I think this is our opportunity to rethink what is important, how to build community, how to build really strong personal relationships with your friends, your family, and God. Um, so I, th I want people to take this time where life is a little slower um, and really use it for good. Yeah. I think that's really important in um, even in the midst of trials, in the midst of things that we're going through, to really focus in on the people you're dealing with. And a lot of times we separate ourselves in a... I, I, it, it has been said that when you, you hurt the people that you love the most... And a lot of times that's when crisis situations are going on. We hurt the people that we love the most. And um, a lot of times I can look at, especially church things are going on, and I take that home and I hurt my wife with some of those things. And as she said before, sometimes we need to switch that around. And COVID has uh, really helped me take a step back and take a look at that and realize that, hey, I'm going to be quarantined up with this lady. I better be nice to her, and I better I better do these things properly um, because she's on my team. She's on my side, and I want to help uh, draw us closer in that and become even tighter of a team in those things. So I think that's important. Um, last question that I have, if you could tell someone who is struggling with a crisis in their lives one thing, what would you tell them? Um, so... Crisis right now is, I, we see 24-7 in the emerge, we're seeing a lot of mental health crisis. And my conversation, I could probably put it on a tape right now, yeah. is just pause, turn it off, which means turn off the television, turn off your iPhone, turn everything off. Um, exercise and find an outlet for joy. Build joy in your life, find joy, however you need to do that. Um, but it's the same, it's, it's the same across every generation, every faith is just pause, turn off the external things. Those are usually what's driving your stress, driving the crisis, um, at least exacerbating it. Um, exercise, I know that sounds like a very physician statement to say, but it does work. Strap on those shoes, take your spouse out for a walk, take your dog out for a walk, take your child out for a walk, um, and in, in doing so, find some joy. And uh, I think, yeah, this doesn't sound like a very pat statement, but the world is lacking some joy right now. Um, and, and it's on us to build it for our communities. 
So today, tonight, you've uh, heard a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look uh, from an emergency room doctor, what goes on behind the scenes and how they deal with the stressful situations. Uh, we all deal with stress. Stress is something that we, if we don't uh, deal with it, it will define us. And stress is the biggest accelerator of health problems. And so crisis and, and stress is something that we all need to look at. Uh, the Bible does give us some basis in that we, ha we have a hope, we have a faith, we have truth, we have a relationship. Um, there's a God in heaven that loves you unconditionally. He'll never never love you more than he does right now, and he'll never love you less. And so we have, in a crisis situation, we have these things that we hold on to, an anchor for ourselves. And uh, so we've heard some things. We've heard how... Uh, and, and we heard the advice, free advice from the doctor. Get some exercise, find some joy. And uh, find that joy. Uh, if you're a, a Bible believer, the, the joy comes from knowing Jesus and serving Jesus and loving others that we've heard tonight. So great advice. Thank you so much. And uh, Dr. Eric, for being with us. Thank you for joining us. And I hope that you'll take this time to consider a biblical perspective on how you handle crisis. Thanks for listening to the It's Worth a Thought podcast. If you have questions for us or would like further information regarding our episode and the topic we've covered, you can find our contact information in the description. We hope this episode has helped you to see a biblical perspective on some of life's greatest issues and perhaps consider that the Bible truly is worth a thought.